Good afternoon, sports world. What is happening? Happy Easter to you. Chris Dell here from the Family Feud Sports Podcast on Go Baller FFS, here to bring you our NCAA March Madness Special Edition here on a beautiful Sunday. We wish you all a happy Easter to you and yours, sitting here with the Godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and bringing you our NCAA Insider Podcast a day early because of tomorrow night's national championship game between the Michigan Wolverines and the Villanova Wildcats. Before we get into the game right here, just looking at the spread, we got Villanova favored by seven points or six and a half points. Now the line has moved from seven to six and a half. Highest point total spread in the national title game since 2010 when the Duke Blue Devils took on Butler in that game. Mr. Allen Dell, what are your thoughts on this upcoming national title game? You finally got what you want, man. Two Blue Bloods in the national championship game. Well, what are you thinking about this matchup, man? I'm thinking about Villanova's going to win against the spread. I, I like Villanova winning this game 80-68. to 68. Woo! It's a blowout right there. Well, I'm calling it a blowout. It might take a while to get going. I, the thing that impressed me, everybody talks about Villanova's great shooting, but the game that impressed me the most was against Texas Tech. When they, they were miserable from the three-point line, I believe it was four for 24, but yet they beat Texas Tech by 12 points, 71-59. That game impressed me more than anything because they're not going to shoot that bad again from three-point, and like, I don't think they'll shoot as well against Michigan as they did in the semifinal against Kansas, but, but that proved how good they are, and, and, they, and the players have said it's defense. Jalen Brunson, the leader of the team, and she can shoot threes. It's it's defense and rebounding that wins games, and they're hungry and they want to do it. They're experienced. I, yeah, I do see a blowout coming in this game. Huh? I mean, after after their dominating performance over Kansas, they made Kansas look like a team that shouldn't even have been in the in the Final Four in the first place. 95-79. It felt like the game was a 40-point blowout, let alone a 16-point win for Villanova. And I, like I told you, this this reminds me of an NBA. Re, this resembles an NBA team in terms of their style, the way they push the ball the way they knocked down outside shots and put them up at a high clip. I mean, look, Villanova Wildcats, they were on fire early. 13 threes in the first half, finished 18 for 40 from three-point line. 40 three-point attempts, Kansas only 21 on their side. But overall, just from the field, they were 55-plus percent, 36 for 65. And you look at the rebound margin was even between themselves and Kansas. Uh, I think the key stat when you look at how they move the ball around, Villanova had 20 assists as a team in that game. Kansas only eight assists. So obviously the way Jay Wright's gotten these guys to believe in the in the system, in the program, believe in each other. You have the veteran, heady point guard in Jalen Brunson. You got the lottery pick in Mikhail Bridges. It's really hard to see this Villanova team losing in the next game. Let's yeah, just they, say that. They got a hell of a backcourt. And uh, Michigan's backcourt, they didn't show up in the semifinal. Uh, Xavier Simpson yeah. and Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman combined to go two for 17, 0 for 8 on threes. They they were just pitiful. And if they don't get, if it wasn't for Mo, 6'11 junior Mo, Mo Wagner, uh, Loyola would have won that game. And so yep. Wagner's got, they can, he he can carry them to stay close for a while, but he can't carry them to a victory. And that that's a major problem. Their backcourt is yeah is really. Not very good. I, like two guys in double figures. You had Matthews with 17, and then Wagner, like we said, not Wagner, Wagner with the German accent there. Wagner, 24 points, 15 rebounds, six of them offensive, knocked down three three pointers, was 10 for 16 from the field overall, 
add three steals, an assist, didn't have a block, right? The only thing he probably didn't do in that game, but he was their emotional leader in that in that matchup with Loyola from the beginning. There, there was a play early in the first half where he took it straight to Cameron Crutwig, and instead of just laying the ball up, he bashed it with one hand. He set the tone for that Michigan team where their outside shots weren't falling, like you said, but they were still able to turn it up on the defensive end and play with more intensity as the game went on in that one. Well, I don't think he's going to be able to do that against Amari Spellman, one of all. Villanova's big man. He, he's not going to have his way so easily. So yeah, that, that's going to change. That. And really, Michigan has, is not a good three-point shooting team. Some people th- seem to think so. But uh, Xavier Simpson is shooting 30.4% for three-point land. That's pretty bad. That's Allen Iverson kind of look without the without the Allen, Allen Iverson skills. Charles Matthews, another one, a double-point uh, scores, he's only shooting 32% on three, so they got some serious problems. I mean, Villanova had six players in double figures. I mean, they, they got no shortage of guys who can put the ball in the basket, led by uh, what Paschel, the forward, 24 points there for him, four for five on threes. And then talk about Spellman, 15 points, 13 rebounds, three block shots. He even hit three three pointers. Everybody's hitting threes. Every single play, check, check this out. Every single player for Villanova who scored in their win over Kansas hit at least one three-point shot. Actually, all of them, except for Gillespie, hit two or more three-point shots. This team can shoot all the way around. It's going to be tough to stop these Wildcats. Yeah, Villanova has six players averaging double figures, and five of those six guys shoot 38.5% or better from three-point land. Mm-hmm. Mikel Bridges at 43.6, and Amari Spellman shooting 44 0.6%. Well, I'll tell you what, it got guys like uh, Duncan Robinson, you talk about the backcourt of, of Michigan, you, you mentioned Muhammad, Muhammad Ali over there, Abdur Rockman. Those guys, Abdur Rockman 0 for 5 from 3, Robinson only 2 for 6. I think he started off maybe 0 for 4 and, and, and maybe hit a few ones late. They were 7 for 28, so you got to shoot better than 25% from 3-point land if you want to beat Villanova. I'm thinking we're going to see a lot of threes in this game. I think Michigan started to hit their stride on offense a little bit late against Loyola Chicago, and they used their defense to win games. That's going to be the X factor for this Michigan team is their perimeter defense. And obviously, yeah, doing it against Loyola Chicago uh, versus doing it against Villanova is going to be a tall order. I think Michigan will keep this game close in the end. I think they will cover the spread. I don't see this national championship game being a blowout. I see Michigan coming in with a chip on their shoulder with Wagner with the guards wanting to play better than their final four four matchup would suggest. I think that would be enough to keep this close, although I do not see it being enough for Michigan to win. I see Michigan holding an early lead in this game and Villanova pulling away late. My final score in this game, I got Villanova 74, Michigan 70. If the game is in the 60s, if Michigan can hold Villanova to under 70 points, I think they will win the game, but I just do not see that happening for the well, entire Well, when was the last minutes. time Villanova scored under 70? I don't think they, they've done that all year. So they scored, uh, I'm just looking at 71 over the Texas Tech Raiders. Yeah, and, and, uh, they, they, and, and they were the closest ones, you know, and, and the closest one, a.k.a. a 12-point win, they scored, they beat West Virginia by 12, 12 points also in the Sweet 16. That was 90-78. to 78. This is an this is the most NBA you can get a team to play and look like in college basketball. Let's just put it that way, man. I mean, you got to go, you got to go all the way back to what, uh, let's see, a loss at Seton Hall in overtime, Wednesday, February 28th was the last time Villanova scored less than 70 points and they lost. 
okay? Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, they won that game by one point overtime. They lost the previous game at Creighton, 89-83 to 83 in overtime. So if this team's scoring a lot of points like they have been pretty much all season long, they're going to lose. I mean, they're, they're, it, you're going to lose against this team. I mean, it's, it's going to be extremely tall order for Villanova to lose this game to the Michigan Wolverines. What, who to you is going to be your most outstanding player for this game, and what's your final score? You said 80-68? Yeah, right. I, oh, you got to go with Jalen Brunson, but I, I like Amari Spellman. I think he can have a good game. A- anybody, Mikel Bridges, and then, like you said, uh, Eric Pascal in the last game, he was only averaging 10.3 points, but look what he did in that game. He What did he make, 10 out of 11 shots? I guess, I guess you could find solace for Michigan in the fact that they held Loyola, who had actually been shooting the three ball pretty well. They held Loyola to 1 of 10 overall from three in this game, so they've got to put on a similar type of performance defensively in this game, but they got to shoot better than 42% overall from the field. They got to shoot better than 25% from three. When you look at the overall, they made Loyola turn the ball over a lot. And Loyola came into that game with the most turnovers at all the final four teams, but they still made him turn it over 17 times. If you remember, Michigan turned it over eight times in the first half. They cleaned it up. They only turned it over three more times after that. So finished the game with 11 turnovers. That's just two over their season average of nine per game so they're not known for being a team that they, that can turn over the ball like I said I think this is going to be a very competitive game I don't think it's going to be the blowout that Vegas is predicting with the seven six and a half point spread I think this will go down to the final two minutes and then you know who's going to be the ones that step up and hit those clutch shots I think Villanova's got too many of them compared to Michigan and that's why I give them the slight edge in this contest. Well you look at Michigan they've, they've been very fortunate too they had the game against Houston 64-63 they won on a last second shot I mean they 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 beat uh, Loyola 58-54. Excuse me, Florida State 58-54. That was a close one. So they, they haven't been overwhelmed in the field, but it's only one game. It was a, If it was a best out of seven, uh, you know, I'd say go in five games. But one game, one night, you never know. But I just can't see this. I think, I think Villanova's too good. They have too many weapons. And even if they shoot poorly... They'll be able. It'll be a close game, but they'll still be able to win. They do too many things well. I didn't understand why Kansas played his own almost the entire first half against Villanova. He finally switched to man to man. I think it was maybe late in the first half or in the beginning of the second half. I, I couldn't figure that one out because the zone wasn't working. And they weren't getting up on their shooters, and you can't do that against Villanova. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Sports World, we both got Villanova winning the national championship, which will be their second in three years. Villanova, the best college basketball program in the country over the last five years. I don't think there's any argument or debate to that, no matter how many lottery picks they have versus Kentucky or versus Duke. We'll be back here with one more segment talking some NBA hoops, some NBA playoff outlook with only five, six, seven games left for the season for all these teams. We'll be right back here on Go Baller FFS. All right, Sports World, we are back here on Go Baller FFS, our Go Baller Easter Sunday sports special, a very special Easter. Happy Easter to all you listening in here, to you and yours. I'm your host, Chris Dell, the mad journalist, sitting here with the godfather, Mr. Alan Dell, and here to break down some more hoops action. The NBA regular season has never been as important as it is now because there's less than seven games to go for seemingly every single NBA squad in the National Basketball Association and looking at the standings here we've had some movement especially in the wild wild west as I like to call it you've got Portland sitting sitting there looking pretty at the number three but man number four to number eight we've got uh, a one game difference in the loss column Spurs 
winners of back-to-back beating the Rockets this weekend. Now 45-32 and in the fourth seed. Minnesota at five. Oklahoma City slipping three losses in a row at number six. And then Utah seven, New Orleans eight. New Orleans also losers of three straight. Mr. Allen Dell, what do you make of all this going into the final week, final stretch of the NBA regular season? Well, the Rockets have already clinched first place, so I'm not worried about them. I, I'm not even concerned what they're, what they're going to do. Even if they lose five in a row, they're still, still going to get the number one seed overall. So uh, Golden State's locked up to number two. And of course, with Golden State, it's... It's about all the injuries, and like you said, after that, it's, it's just a Donnybrook fight. Portland, San Antonio, Minnesota. Uh, Oklahoma City is kind of uh, falling out or, or melting, uh, and there's a situation where Carmelo Anthony didn't play in a game in the last, in the last seven, eight minutes, or maybe he didn't play all the fourth quarter. Uh, he seems to be taking it well, at least publicly. So. <laughs> well, what else can he do at this point? People are saying, I- I've heard a lot of quote-unquote experts analysis say that the Thunder would have the third best chance of making a run in the Western Conference behind Houston and Golden State. And I-, I just don't care what injuries are out there. That is just completely false. You, how, about, how about tell me this? Tell me one team that Oklahoma City can even beat in the first round. I, I don't see any it, looking at the potential matchups right now. I'd take Minnesota over OKC. Jimmy Butler was just cleared for contact yesterday, so he'll be back very soon. San Antonio without Kawhi Leonard is still a damn good basketball team, and they're going to play more as a team because they don't have their star leading scorer. They're going to buy into Pop's message for playing defense and playing team ball through and through. Don't be surprised to see the Spurs beat the Rockets in the second round if they hold on to that four or five seed and get that matchup in round two. Yeah, I don't like Oklahoma City. I don't think they'll go for it. They, they, they would have to change their style of play. Melo's not a factor anymore. He, he Really, he's been on a downslide for the last two or three years. It was kind of hidden in New York last year because he was, he was on a terrible team and he shot the ball more than anybody else. And, and they let him shoot. They let him do what he wanted to. But you could see he was on a downside last year. He couldn't finish, not consistently. Well, what, what, what can Oklahoma – how is Oklahoma City any different than last year during Westbrook's MVP run? I mean, they, they got George, which was supposed to be the, the next sidekick, the next Kevin Durant to Russell Westbrook. Obviously, he's not a Kevin Durant caliber player, although he's a very good player. But this seems like the same Russell Westbrook ball hog, let me score, let me, let me handle the ball 98% of the game type of Thunder team that has proven to not win Jack Zilch when it comes to the playoffs. I don't see anything changing this year. Unfortunately, Russell Westbrook has turned into one of those players who has a great career statistically but can't win championships or can't even get to the finals except for that one year. So, uh, yeah, but, you yeah. know, it, it's sad, but uh, some some people just don't get the message. That's been Melo's whole career as a good, great stat man, great point, averaging 24 plus for his career, but he's never won anything. Well, how, how about let's, let's move over to the Eastern Conference where things are actually getting pretty tight here, especially when you look at seeds three to five. The three, four, five right now all separated by a half game. Both Cleveland and Philadelphia are both 46 and 30 apiece. Philadelphia, winners of 10 games in a row. Kudos to the Sixers. I think Ben Simmons has solidified his Rookie of the Year honors. As much as I love Donovan Mitchell, the fact that your team's 16 games above 500 in the four spot, tied with Cleveland, winning 10 games in a row this late in the season, kudos to the young guys over there. Trust the process indeed. And you can see this this is a team that could wind up getting home court advantage and, and playing a Washington Wizards squad in the first round. Indiana also won winners of five in a row, seven out of their last ten. They're 46 and 31. So 
either Indiana or Philadelphia could both push out Cleveland into the fifth seed where we could be watching a first round where Cleveland doesn't even have home court advantage. And you never see that for a LeBron James team there. I don't know if home court advantage matters that much. No, probably Cleveland. not. Uh, but it, it, it'll be surprising to see LeBron James not have home court advantage in the first round. You don't ever see that. Yeah, well... Uh, by the way, Ben Simmons, he's not a rookie. I don't care if he didn't play last year. He was on, he was in the league. He was working out. So I don't consider him a rookie. Well, I, I, I you know what? I, I would agree with you on that, but he's going to be in consideration. Yeah, he's and, consideration. And I think, I think he'll win if they keep up this pace for the last five, six games. Yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good point there. I feel like it shouldn't go to that. Blake Griffin did the same thing where he missed his whole first year, came back and won rookie of the year the following year. So I, I agree. I think Mitchell should get it because of that, but that's obviously not the rules at this moment. Um, I mean, you talk about San Antonio making the most out of what they're doing this year and, and still with the fourth seed in the West despite not having Kawhi all season. Hats off to Greg Popovich and hats off to Brad Stevens, the Boston Celtics coach, because Kyrie's been in and out of the lineup a lot of this year. He's obviously dealing with his own set of injuries right now with his knee. Boston still won six games in a row. They've won seven out of ten. They're still, t- despite the Toronto Raptors' greatest season of all time, you got banged up Boston two games behind Toronto in the loss column. And overall, this Boston Celtics team, how about 28-10 and 10 on the road? No better record on the road in in the entire Eastern Conference, and you look at the entire the entire NBA for that matter. They've got the second best road record in the league, one game worse than Houston, and tied with Golden State. So, this Boston Celtics team is going to surprise some people in the playoffs. I'm just going to put it out there right now, man. Well, I, I, not to change the subject, but I'm feeling good this we uh, this weekend because they announced the. Uh, NBA, or I should say Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame class was announced on Saturday, and some of my favorites, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Ray Allen, Grand Hill, and Maurice Cheeks, all were voted in, so I'm, I want to give a shout out to them, I think it was a great choice, some people don't like Maurice Cheeks, he was a point guard for the 76ers, I thought he was a great player. Is Grand Hill really a first ballot Hall of Famer in your opinion? That's a good question, because he missed... So he was a great college player, yeah. a great early early career player, but then obviously, you know, what missed almost 10 years, you know, back and forth due to injuries, uh, but, you know, did make the most of his late career with the Phoenix Suns, where he was teammates with Steve Nash for a while as well. Um, I mean, Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, probably the two greatest point pure point guards of my era growing up. I mean, Allen Iverson was more of a one and a two yeah. type of combo guard, even though he was so short, but... Um, a lot of memories watching both of those guys. You, you remember they both played for Dallas to start their careers. Obviously, Jason Kidd helping the Mavericks win their championship with Dirk Nowitzki. You know, he if it wasn't for Jason Kidd, I don't think Dirk would be retiring with an NBA, NBA trophy under his belt. Not to mention Jason Terry still going strong. Old man oh, Rivers over there for Milwaukee. Yeah, four years old and starting. Yeah, and, and, and they just signed Brandon Jennings to a contract. He had played back-to-back 10-day contracts for the Bucks. I don't see the Bucks doing. I don't. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I know they've been missing guys like Jabari Parker, Malcolm Brogdon's been out. I, I think they've got one of the brightest futures in all the NBA, but it doesn't seem like they just have enough yet to to cause a first round upset in the Eastern Conference. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how they do. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe won a game or two against Toronto in the first round. If they wind up getting that draw. But uh, who would you take? You're, you, you're doing a pickup team. You're drafting your NBA expansion team. Steve Nash or Jason Kidd, both in their prime. Well, what do you that got? That was a tough one. I, you know, those two years, those two back-to-back years that Steve Nash had in 05 and 06 when he won MVP awards. I mean, that that was some of the greatest point guard play that I have ever seen is passing. I, 
I, maybe the best ever. Uh, I just love the way he played. I mean, you go back to Oscar Robertson, uh, you know, to see that again. So, I, I, based on those two years, I would say Nash. Okay, okay. I mean, maybe Jason Kidd did it at a high level for longer than Steve Nash. Don't forget, Nash can shoot. Jason yeah. Kidd was never a really good shooter. He th- Jason Kidd actually became a good three-point shooter towards the end, but I, I definitely have to give you the shooting edge on that one. I, I think just the highlight reel plays, Steve Nash with that Phoenix D'Antoni offense was, was pretty hard to stop, except in the playoffs because they didn't do anything in the playoffs. Only they had that one year where they had all those suspended players because of the fight, oh, yeah, and, right. and that maybe was their best chance to do it. But, man, when, when Amari Stoudemire was in his prime, when Steve Nash was in his prime, and that team was one of the best in the league, that, that was sure fun basketball to watch with back in the old Sean Marion days. Uh, but definitely all these guys worthy of getting their spot in the Hall of Fame. Maurice Cheeks as well, not to mention longtime executive Ron Thorne, WNBA legend Tina Thompson. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who gets in next year for sure. And uh, just overall, you know, looking at we got the NBA draft coming up this summer. A lot of guys we've watched in college basketball. Right now, if you look at the current mock draft board, DeAndre Ayton, number one, Marvin Bagley, number two. Uh, your Knicks drafting Wendell Carter from Duke, the big power forward center, sitting there at six ten right now. We'll see about that. Let's uh, let, let's let's see how that all shakes out as the, as the, as the tournament plays its final game tomorrow night. What are your final thoughts here on the rest of the season? For for college basketball, for NBA. Well, it's just beginning for me. You know, I remember Will Chamberlain said the NBA is two seasons: the regular season, the playoffs. So the second season. Starts in about two and a half weeks with the playoffs, and it's the most exciting season. It's when the cream of the crop rises to the top. All right, Lovell, just quick question here before we sign off. Rockets or Warriors don't win it all this year. Who wins it? If they don't win it all? Yep. That's a tough one, huh? I'll go with the the LeBron Cavaliers. Okay. All right. I'm going to go Boston on the east, Utah in the west. You could see both of, both of those teams play really good defense. They play team ball. They have great coaching. You call in Sports Row if you're listening here on Anchor. Call into our station. Let us know what are your sleeper dark horse picks for the NBA championship coming into playoff season now. What are your picks for the NCAA title game as well? Thanks for tuning in. Have a very happy Easter. We'll see you next time.